Welcome to Behind the Chalk, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes to bring you tools, strategies, and insights from educators everywhere. I am your host, Lindsay Simpson, and I am so excited to share with you conversations with educators from every level discussing our passions, research experiences across the profession. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I'm beyond excited to introduce an amazing guest who is not only an amazing colleague of mine, but I am lucky enough to call her my friend, Nicole Norsethaborn, as we celebrate School Library Month by sharing out how she has transformed her library through STEAM. I would love to hear from you and share what you do as a librarian in your district to engage learners. So please head on over to Twitter and share with me as you listen at ChalkEDU. So my guest today is Nicole Norsethpour, and I would like to welcome you onto the podcast. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh, I am thrilled that you're here. (laughs) (laughs) So I start out my podcast the same uh, every time. Uh, One aspect of education that fascinates me the most is how we all got here. Could you quickly share with our listeners What were you like as a student and what brought you to the world of education? Oh, goodness. Me as a student seems like so long ago. Um, I was a pretty average student. I uh, did pretty well in school and um, took school uh, somewhat seriously. You know, as you get older, it seems like you take it less seriously because other things take priority. But um, I was a pretty good student, I would say. I was pretty uh, diligent in my studies, got everything done that needed to be done, and uh, did pretty well in school. Yeah, hearing you were that organized is not a shocker for me. No, (laughs) (laughs) for my listeners, carried over. Yes, yes, and for my listeners, this woman has the best organization system of anybody I know. There's lots of notebooks and beautiful handwriting and fancy pens and sticky notes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I think if anybody, <laughs> I, it's not though, it's not. <laughs> so yeah, if, if anybody uh, should have like an Instagram of librarian organization, I think it's you. I think you could rock that out <laughs> pretty hard. But speaking of amazing organization and amazing spaces, you uh, moved into the library. How many years ago now? How many years did you go back to the library? Goodness, I think it's, I think this might be my sixth year. I think that's what I was just thinking. Yeah. Yep. This is my sixth year. Right. Yep. Yes. And I just learned that you actually started as a librarian. You went into being a classroom teacher. And then six years ago, you got the call back to the library. Uh, But the space that you're in right now doesn't look like it did when you got there. No, we have, we have undergone some transformation for sure. Uh, We, um, so for the first, I would say for the first two, maybe three years that I was in the library, um, Maybe it was a little longer, but uh, it, it looked pretty much the same as when I got there. And then oh, we started making some subtle changes, op- trying to open things up as much as I could. Um, furniture started coming piece by piece. We started getting rid of the 
hard tables with the chair, you know, this, the four chairs around it everywhere. And that was, that was pretty much the seating in the library. And that started to phase out as I started to move in couches and bean bags. And um, in my library, it's a K-12 library. So half is an elementary side and half is a high school side. So I wanted to make a clear distinction between the two sides, but still make it comfortable and cozy for each group of kids that came in. And then we went, we underwent a, a large renovation, not too much structural, except that we, we got rid of a lot of big circulation desk was, was chopped way down. We moved, we opened up some shelving. We got different shelving instead of floor to ceiling, you know, it started to come more floor to eye level with the shelving. And it really, it really opened up the space in the library. There is, it's, it's more right down the middle now, divided. The elementary side is on one side and then the middle school, high school side is on the other. Um, but it's very comfortable. It's very, uh, we have almost a living room setting um, with different couches and chairs and a coffee table that the kids can sit at in front of a big TV with bookshelves. Um, I keep pushing for a fireplace, but it's just not coming. It's just not going to happen. Dr. Schmidt just won't go for it. So, <laughs> Oh, Dr. Schmidt, if you're listening, we need to get that fireplace. That fireplace I will mention, you though. Know? Yeah, so you have, you not only have one TV, though, you do have two. And so one is on the high school side, and then one is at the front, kind of where that kind of blends the two sides together. And um, as a tech person in the building, I can describe that these are the Dell touchscreens. And so they are pretty fancy. And uh, it is not a December in our building if you don't walk into the library and see that fireplace at least put on the Dell screen. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're there. They're always there. Absolutely. With the Christmas tree behind. Yes. Very beautiful. Yes. <laughs> a very cozy, so. cozy setting. So That's the when. Oh, I'm sorry. The no, no, feel that okay. I go for the library is I just want to make it just as comfortable. Just I would just want the kids to be comfortable. And why was that so important for you? Because, you know, a lot of the libraries I grew up going into, you went into and you were quiet and there was a librarian with big glasses saying, shh, no talking. And that's not the atmosphere that you bring at all. But why was that so important for you? Um. When, well, I'll tell you why. When I first came into the library, it was brand new for me, and I came from the elementary. And then all of a sudden, there were these big kids, these big kids in there that I had to have conversations with, and I had to interact with, and I was scared, and I didn't know what to do. So after the first day in the library, I went home and I vowed to myself that every person that came in the library, I would have a conversation with. I would try to have, make a connection with them. And as I started to do that, I started to realize that they just need a place. They just need a second to just unwind for a minute, um, pick up a magazine or really pick up their phone and just, just take a second zone out for a minute. And then they can move on throughout their day, hopefully, and get done what needs to be done and be productive. So I try to just in having conversations with them and, tr and connecting with the older kids, I just tried to cater to that a little bit for them. And just, it's comfortable for me. 
I like to be in a cozy space. I like to be in a decorated space. And if I can give that to them and just give them, you know, a one period where they can come into the library and just take a second, unwind, look at the fireplace or, you know, watch it snow outside or listen to it rain for a minute and just check out. Maybe they can pull themselves out of a funk or get themselves back on track for the rest of the day. So that was kind of my goal. I think you achieved it. I definitely think Uh, you achieved it. (laughs) So one of the big things I want to talk to you today about in knowing that it is school libraries month is not only how you've transformed your library in a, in a physical way, but how you've transformed it in the types of activities that you've done. And so at our district, you know, we, um, I think I mentioned it at the top of the episode, but you and I work in the same district. I have the pleasure of seeing you every day. And in our district, every day, we, every day you're stuck with me every day. Uh, yeah, lost without you would be way to put it, Lindsay. <laughs> oh, goodness. Bless your heart. So, uh, but we have a STEAM initiative in our district. And so whether you are as a listener, maybe your district does STEM, maybe your district does STEAM, maybe your district does STREAM, or they have another acronym with other letters that mean different things. Um, But that's kind of the beauty of this philosophy is that it can mean different things for everybody. But for us, it was a way of engaging learners in a project-based experience across multiple disciplines. So we had a wonderful gentleman who used to be our STEAM director who kind of coined the term that STEAM is the place where all the disciplines come to play. And I always loved that definition because that's really what we do is we bring in all the different contents and uh, bring them together in one fun activity. And as the tech integrator, of course, I have to add some tech in there too and make everybody panic a little bit. So... (laughs) You know, a couple of years ago, I, I was in the start of my journey and you, I had watched you from afar. I said, oh, she's doing some stuff down there. Maybe we can pair up. <laughs> and so we, uh, I, I pitched to you an idea and you had had your own idea and we kind of started the journey, but it didn't really go well. Can you share that first step and kind of what happened? Sure. I, I, rem- I don't think I'll ever forget it. I remember it vividly. <laughs> so I think that we did start talking about, uh, I was kind of doing the same thing maybe that you were doing. You were watching me and saying, oh, she's doing some fun stuff down there. I was watching my elementary teachers especially and saying, oh, I want to play. Just like you were saying, you know, they were doing some fun stuff and I wanted to be a part of it. So I think we had a conversation about uh, doing me pushing in to their classrooms and doing STEAM-based activities uh, around literature um, in their classrooms. And and how could I do that? Well, we came up with a great idea. It was fantastic. And it was foolproof. And we just didn't, you know, we were ready to go with it. Went to our administrator and he said, yes, absolutely, go ahead. And we went to the faculty meeting and I, I think we did a conference uh, thing on this and it was a picture of a Titanic, was it not? It, it's exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. what happened. <laughs> yes, exactly it, was, what happened. it was a sinking ship and I uh, yeah. like, the, um, I don't know if 
if the people on the ship felt like I did, but I just felt like it couldn't sink fast enough. I was kind of just right. hoping for it to be over. Absolutely. I don't, I don't, I wanted to run from the room. I thought, what is happening? I'm pitching this fantastic idea with all this excitement. Nobody yeah. else, nobody's excited about it except me no. <laughs> and you. Baby. No, that was it. Ditch, ditch the lifeboats. Let me just jump in and drown. <laughs> it was not <laughs> exactly. good. And I thank no. you for our listeners. We love our teachers. Um, and we both oh, were classroom absolutely. teachers in the past. And so one yeah. of the things is that library in our contract is a prep. And so, um, you know, that was a conversation and there was a lot of other change happening in those years. And so I think this was just another thing um, that just kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back for some. They just weren't ready for that change amongst everything else. But yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I think it was, it was bad timing. Very bad, bad timing. Time. And it was bad timing. It was bad yes. timing. And uh, it, it was a lot of change. It was a lot of change coming their way. And, um, but I did to circle that meeting. Oh, absolutely. Huge learning experience. Yes. <laughs> yes. But the most important thing is, is while that happened in the fall, that meeting happened around the fall time of school year. So right at the start of the school year, uh, we didn't give up. And more importantly, you didn't give up. And so by the spring of that same year, uh, there was another opportunity to kind of tweak the original idea and give everybody just a little bit of taste. So what did you do to give everyone a taste of that original idea? Get some buy-in. Well, I think that I found you. <laughs> I think that we sat down together and we were like, okay, I think, I think we could try again. We, we had licked our wounds and uh, we were ready to throw our hats back in. And um, at the end of the school year, in May, uh, end of May and beginning of June, when they start to give regents, um, the library is the place that that happens. That's where the testing happens. So I'm, uh, I'm basically kicked out of the library, but I'm still required to, um, to do elementary classes. So there's a, uh, it's a pool vestibule. It's an area next to our pool um, that has a couple of tables uh, in it that that's where I go. And that's where the elementary classes meet me. And we, we try to make it as interesting as possible. Usually we're outside if it's nice, you know, just try to get, uh, get through the end of the school year. So we had put our heads together, Lindsay and I, and decided that maybe we should try uh, a STEAM activity again, but not push in and take the classes from the teachers um, for an extended period of time during that week. And that would give them more time for uh, their end of the year duties that they needed to do without kids, without um, any kind of responsibility to their class, we would have them, we would do an activity with them. I believe it was an hour that we mm -hmm. um, took them for. And um, then the teachers would benefit from that by uh, being able to use that time to pack themselves up and get ready for the end of the year. Now that over very well. <laughs> that yeah, they love that. Whether yeah. it was extra time to pack their classroom or extra time to get together data reports on those students for end of year report cards and end of year meetings, 
whatever, all those responsibilities that teachers have, having that one extra hour was like a gift that they loved. And it was almost like they forgot that they didn't want to do this at the beginning of the year. Exactly. Uh, Because it was a better time. It was a better, the timing was better. The timing was better. We, um, and that was, it was scary to me to try again, to, to think, okay, here we go again. But we really, we really did it a completely different way. We circled ourselves around and did it in a completely different fashion. And um, it was quite successful. It was, and it was a ton of fun. So we were able to meet with uh, classrooms pre-K. I think we did pre-K as well. Pre-K through sixth grade. And it was our first go around. So if I remember correctly, we did it in band. So pre-KK had the same activities and one in first and second grade had the same activities. So we, we kind of eased our way in. So we're only going to plan a few things and, and repeat it. And so that, you know, by the last time you do it, it's perfect. But we did everything from nature trails to leaf identification to bringing in outside experts for pH testing in the creeks that run along our school to rainy day plans in playing with uh, augmented reality and virtual reality, looking at trees and insects and kind of trying to model the different things that we had done outside, but with our technology. And so it was a lot of fun and the teachers really liked it. And so after that June, after having the success and packing up for the year and going off in our summer, the next school year began and you know, you had to keep going with the momentum, but we couldn't do that every week. So you, right. you had a great idea of, of kind of bringing it out monthly. So what, what was that? We, um, we started, I believe we started in October again, Lindsay and I uh, partnered together and we started in October and we kept it uh, just thematic you know, in October, we did Halloween and pumpkins and witches and um, all of those fun things. And uh, I collaborated with the teachers, of course, got permission from my administration, who said, sure, sure, go ahead, try, <laughs> try again. So uh, I, again, put it out to the teachers and I chose a STEAM week. So once a month, Um, We did a STEAM week in the library, and at the time, I was able to, uh, when we started, I was able to offer an hour. So I would, again, once a month, take them uh, for a a whole hour, and the teachers didn't have to come. That was an hour prep for them. They could use that however they needed, and um, the kids came down. And they were in the library for an hour and did a STEAM activity. And the teachers, again, loved that. They And we piggybacked on, remember what we did in June? We're going to try to do that again and offer that to you again, that whole hour. And uh, it was, again, very successful. Yes. And so we we stuck with those thematic units again. That was, and that was mostly for us because we were beginners as well. And so for listeners, you know, as you think about new initiatives, it's so easy to think I'm going to jump in, you know, with both feet. And then sometimes it's, you actually jump in and a little too deep and it's like, it's a little bit overwhelming and then you lose the fun. So I'm so glad in hindsight that we did it this way. 
with thematic lessons. And so we did that for October with, with, um, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and then Uh with the holidays in December. And then in January, we started inching our way towards content, uh, with just two grade levels, which, which needed a little bit more collaboration. It needed a little bit more. We needed to touch base with those teachers again. Um, we had, I felt like we had established some trust with them. Um, they knew that, w- that we maybe knew what we were doing and that we could handle it. We had been doing it for three months with them. And then that conversation that we had with the teachers when we said, so what are you doing in science or what are you doing in social studies that we could piggyback off of? And just maybe make our STEAM week focus on that a little bit. They were much more forthcoming, much more comfortable with us in saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I can let you know what's going on. Because as Lindsay said, we were both elementary teachers at one time, too. And we really like, as elementary teachers, we like to hold on to our students and our career. It's it's our deal. We're not going to pass it off onto anyone else. So. Um, building that trust and that relationship with those teachers was important. It's good. It, it was good, um, uh, like background, that foundation to build with them for. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And, and for our listeners, you know, we're from a very small school. And I don't think it matters if you're from a small school like we are, where it's just 500 kids pre-K through 12, or if you're from a massive school district with multiple elementary schools and hundreds and hundreds of kids just in your elementary, that trust is essential. So that when you say, hey, what are you doing? You know, can I help you? That they're they're willing and ready to have those conversations. So I do think we really got um, a stride going. We got a rhythm going. We got that trust moving. And then March 2020 rolled around and the whole world shifted overnight. It, it sure did. Yeah, the bottom dropped out. <laughs> yes, all of a sudden we were looking for toilet paper. Um, I'm so glad that your books were out of people's reach. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, nobody knows. Got it right down, put that library right down. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a scary time. It would have been a really scary oh, time for yeah. those library books. Um, but yeah, so, you know, COVID started, obviously, like the rest of the country, our school was shut down. We were remote. Uh, we went through all summer, not knowing what the fall was going to bring. And then when we finally did know what, like a week or two before school started, it was, yeah, just we're, it was like just before, and it was hybrid teaching crisis teaching. Um, and when everybody got their schedules, can you share, you know, what did yours look like and, and what did you feel? What did you think? So I, I was handed my schedule and there were, um, there were three things on my schedule. There was a lunch duty, uh, that I had to cover. And there was, um, I visited the three PK classrooms. There are two of them. I visited them every day for a half an hour to give those teachers a prep. And that was the only thing that was on my schedule. And I thought to myself, there were a lot of interesting things happening in our school and in our district. We were putting bus monitors on buses to take temperatures. 
We were taking temperatures at the store before they came in the school. We were making lunches. We were delivering lunches to everybody. And I thought, is that what the library is going to be? Am I going to be taking a temperature or delivering a lunch? I had no idea what the plan was for me. But my schedule was extremely basic. No classes were on my schedule at all. Yeah, which is pretty scary. Uh, Yeah, that's a pretty scary thing to come back to um, for the fall. And so I have to imagine, uh, because I went through a similar process, that there was a little bit of a grieving process (laughs) as we look at our schedule and we think about everything we used to do and everything that we're no longer allowed to do and kind of figuring out how we can um, fill those gaps. But you did. And so you reached out to your to admin again and and brought pushed out an idea. Uh, how did you try to negotiate or find that middle ground? Uh, so I thought about just as you said, what I used to do and then what I was allowed to do or able to do with all the new restrictions. And um, I reached out to my administration and I said to them, um, I would like to uh, communicate with my elementary teachers and at least get into their classrooms. They weren't allowed to come to the library at the beginning, but get into their classrooms. Um, And when I did that, they were, just as Lindsay said, they were in crisis mode. They were in survival mode. And very, very nice, nice people looking at me like, are you kidding me right now? One more thing you want me to think about? And so the offer that I put on the table was, let me come in and do whatever you, whatever you need me to do. I don't have to be a library teacher. Just let me come in for a half an hour every day and be an extra set of hands in your room. If you need help with handwriting, okay, that's great. If you need help with Uh, me circulating around the room and crowd control. Okay, that's great. I can do that. So just let me come in and help. And that, that worked well. Everybody was like, okay, we can use help. And so they signed me up and that's where I started. So what if, what a few years for you, you three years ago, 2018, you redefined the library the first time uh, and it failed. Mm -hmm. And then 2019 rolled around and you (laughs) redefined it again with steam in the library and then COVID hit. And now you're redefining the library in a COVID world. And thank God they, you know, they're like, okay, yes, you can come in and do handwriting. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what a year for you will be like when you just do the whole year in one seamless, (laughs) just too easy, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. I'll be something's missing. <laughs> well, I I think uh, the universe must just not be ready for that yet. So it's pumping the brakes. Not, um, <laughs> not. <laughs> but, you know, halfway through the year, again, you know, once everybody was able to fall into a rhythm, they were able to fall into a routine. And as odd as it is, even though these people, most of these people have worked with you for years, they had to rebuild that trust again in this crisis teaching. And once they did, we were able to again, redefine steam in the library with just one class because not only did the teacher miss it, but the students missed it. 
Like, hey, remember that fun stuff that used to happen with you, Mrs. N, in your library with your books and all your fun stuff? As I was pushing in to classrooms, um, things started, as you said, started to get more comfortable and they didn't need me to do handwriting anymore or to circulate for crowd control. So I started bringing books with me and saying, hey, while I'm here, why don't you just go take a break and I'm going to read to them for a minute. And we started reading a chapter book in a third grade, Little House in the Big Woods. And as we started reading that book, uh, we're working with those third grade teachers. We just we were discovering some really cool cross-curricular things that could be taking place. And so we started STEAM in, uh, in third grade using that book, just doing as we, uh, as the chapters allowed and the story allowed, we would do some activities. And it was amazing because not only were we able to do some really fun and yet still COVID safe activities like churning butter um, and having right. some pancakes and talk about how you make syrup and doing things like that. But along the same timeline, kids were then allowed to come back into the library in person. And that kind of got both of our gears turning of like, okay, we can start turning it up a little bit. And now that the kids are coming back in the library, we can now do steam in the library again. And we have now done two February and March. Two months. Yes. Two yes. months of steam. And it's funny how the cycle sometimes has to repeat because even though the last time we did it last March, we were just getting into content because we're still in really in crisis teaching, we're still finding our rhythms as everything is ever changing this school year. We kind of went back and we went back to thematic units because I think that's the easiest for everyone right now while still providing really engaging opportunities in literature with our students. And now again, allowing us to rebuild our relationships with teachers, the classroom teachers all over again. We're just, we're just restarting that cycle. Absolutely. We've come, we've come back around almost uh, to full circle again. We are offering a week, STEAM week in the library. We keep it to the scheduled library time. Um, even though, uh, you know, it sounds wonderful to maybe offer an hour to the teachers, they just have so much that they need to cover. It would be, it, I think it would really be detrimental to the program. So we just keep it at their library time, their scheduled library time. And, um, not only are the kids now asking about STEAM week, but the teachers are as well. I've heard for the month of April, uh, a couple of teachers have brought their their classes to the library and said, when is STEAM week? When is STEAM week going to happen in the library for April? And we've already talked about uh, what's on tap for, uh, for the month of April. So the teachers are, they're expecting it and they know that that's what, that's just part of what happens there. So that's nice. That's just fantastic. And so, you know, when we think about change and we think about implementing change, you know, you throughout this episode, I keep saying you, 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 and then you keep throwing it back. Well, we, 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 and you know, yeah, we partnered in this a lot, but I think that that actually highlights such an important piece for any, any of you listening, go grab somebody else, 
you know, if of course people can do things alone and the things that people do alone sometimes are amazing, but having somebody else with you is able to keep you up when you think you're drowning, keep you positive Mm -hmm. when it seems like everything is going against you and you're sitting in that faculty meeting on the Titanic sinking (laughs) and hoping to drown and just let it end. Um, But it also cultivates such an amazing ideas. And there's things that as a tech integrator, I would never think of and I would never do on my own that Nicole just pulls out. And I'm sure it's vice versa, right? Because we both have our, have our niches. We both have our expertise. It it could not happen if both of us were not involved. Absolutely. We just last month did a green screen project and uh, yeah, no, no, I would not do that alone. (laughs) No, I would not. I would not do that alone. Nope. But there's already so many cool ideas that the kids have had now in the library about their books, about their literature that I never would have come up with. And so, you know, whether it's another teacher, whether you're utilizing your student ideas, Whatever it is, go out and find um, another person, possibly another crazy person in your district, that yes man person, grab them and and just go. Because once you do, you'll never want to turn back. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. And or at least one person won't want to turn back and you'll have to drag the other person with you. (laughs) But that's okay. So Nicole, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today to celebrate school library month and share the amazing things that are happening in your library and how you've transformed it, not only physically, but um, also just atmospherically and what you're bringing to the students. And I like to end, end my episodes with a question as well. So all students are all teachers enter this field, um, and stay in this field because they love kids and they love the interactions and the moments that they have with kids. Could you share something from your career that you will hold on to forever? It could be a funny story about kids. It could be a heartfelt story about a a kiddo, but a moment that will stick with you. A moment that will stick with me. Um, hmm. I would have to say probably, uh, probably that faculty meeting, that experience, that experience with that faculty meeting was a first for me. It was extremely humbling. It made me stop and take measure of where I was going and how I wanted to get there and what I needed to do. Um, it made me a better problem solver. Um, it, it has resulted in a wonderful partnership that I have with Lindsay. And uh, that, is a, that was a truly eye-opening experience for me. And I reflect on that with almost every... I honestly think about that experience whenever I want to do something new or if I'm asked to do something new, I think about putting myself in those teachers' shoes and the 
brick wall that we hit and how we, you know, did it up and we keep going in it. It really, uh, it helps me. It helps me to be motivated and energetic about my program. Thank you for sharing that. I, I'm glad that we were able to go through that moment together and, um, me too. Yeah. I think it'll be a moment we both remember for a very long time. (laughs) So I want to thank you so much again for taking the time to join me today. I really enjoyed our conversation and hearing from you and how we can celebrate in the library, not just during April for school library month, but during all months. If any of our listeners would like to connect with you, how could they do that? Email, Um, Twitter. Email. Yeah, email probably. Yep, with my email. All right. And could we put that in the show notes for everybody? Absolutely. You can put my email in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Well, then head on down to the show notes to connect with Nicole Nersethaporn, school librarian for a pre-K-12 building. If you, I know you are doing some amazing things in your libraries, we would love to hear them too, because the best way we grow is by learning from each other. So head on over to Twitter and give us a shout at ChalkEDU. And thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thank you for, for having me. I've enjoyed it. Finally, to end every episode, I like to give a little book highlight from something that I have been reading. Right now, I am making my way through the distance learning playbook. Module six focused on engaging tasks, which meshes perfectly with our topic today. This chapter describes three different forms of engagement, behavioral, cognitive, and emotional. Behavioral is essentially what most people reference student engagement with observable academic actions that teachers instantly recognize. Are students able to do school with actions that we're looking for? Cognitive engagement dives a bit deeper, talking about the psychological effort students put forth, like planning, monitoring their own progress, setting goals, and solving problems. Finally, emotional engagement is where interest and relationships contribute to a student's ability to learn. Students who are emotionally engaged with, will engage in discussions, they'll post questions, and they'll seek help when needed and demonstrate curiosity. I recently discussed this module during a book study that I was co-facilitating in my district. We discussed these three forms of engagement. I reshared the SAMR model as a tool to help us continue engaging our students in a hybrid model. And as always, I ended our session with a simple question for everyone to think about and discuss for the next time we came back together. This question was, is there a difference in your mind between participation and engagement? Now, adults are just like teenagers as students. So when I asked this question, most were already packing up their belongings, turning off their devices, throwing away garbage, and getting ready to move on to their next task. So I assumed this question would be like any others that I had asked previously. Some would think about it. Some would have every attention, but wouldn't have time. And soon, and some would forget as soon as they walked out the door. All of which are perfectly okay scenarios, considering the demands of our profession. So imagine my surprise when the next week rolled around and one participant shared that she was actually pretty upset with the question. Actually, she was more than upset and couldn't believe I had even asked it. 
Now, I was perfectly fine with this response. Clearly, she had completed the task on reflecting on the question if she was so struck by it. And we then had an amazing conversation about it to start the session. Her thoughts was, you know, it was quite obvious that participation and engagement were not the same. Compliance and participation does not mean engagement. It does not necessarily show well-built relationships. And she then listed a whole grocery list of examples of how she could tell a student who always participates is actually engaged. This teacher's passionate response struck my educator's curiosity. So I would like to ask you the same question. If you walked past a classroom and saw all students sitting at their desk, hands on top, eyes on the teacher, answering the yes, no, or fact-based questions he or she was asking, all observations that would indicate participation, would you also call this engaged? If not, what is missing? How do you tell the difference between the two? Which should we strive for? Should we be trying to get one before the other? Is there a difference between participation and engagement? Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Behind the Chalk. Want to hear more? Subscribe and review the podcast wherever you like to listen and follow the podcast on Twitter at Chalk EDU.